0: welcome to didache where we are studying to show ourselves approved rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship god in spirit and truth deepening our knowledge of god thereby enabling us to deepen our love for god here is your host justin peters hello ladies and gentlemen my name is justin peters i hope that this finds you and your family doing well today I want to thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I've never done an entire video just on Joel Osteen before. I've mentioned him a number of times. I did one video, I believe, maybe one or two, where I talked about Joel Osteen interviewing Kanye West, had him into the church, Lakewood Church, but the primary um, focus and emphasis of that video is not so much on Joel Osteen, but rather uh, Kanye West that was when he supposedly got saved and maybe I'll do another video on that later but um, at any rate this is going to be talking about Joel Osteen. Uh, let me say a couple of things up front. Number one firstly uh, to any staff member of Lakewood Church I know what you're going to try to do because you did this with the, end of the video that I did talking about Kanye West and his appearance at Lakewood you're going to file a copyright claim with YouTube and you're probably going to be initially successful in taking this video down. Uh, But as with the previous time you try to do that, uh, I fought it and I fought it successfully because I am well within, well within the parameters of the Fair Use and Copy Act, which allows for people to use segments of copyrighted material if it is for the purpose of teaching and education, which this video absolutely is. Uh, And another thing, all of the video clips I'm going to show in this video are simply from interviews that Joel Osteen has done with others, with Larry King, with The View, with... uh, George Strombolopoulos. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, but you'll see it a little bit later. So uh, none of this is Lakewood material. This is material that belongs to all of the other interviewers who did these uh, interviews. So uh, don't, don't file a copyright claim. If you do, you're going to lose because I am well, well within the parameters of the Fair Use and Copy Act. So all that having been said, the reason I am doing this video is because uh not long ago a week or so ago i i heard a a man talking about joel and he was being interviewed and he said that unfortunately i'm paraphrasing here he said unfortunately in the christian discernment world even though i don't call myself a discernment minister but um I do emphasize discernment, of course, but he said within that world, there's unfortunately he says there's only seem to be only two categories of preachers. Those are the, the ones that you recommend. And then there's the heretic. So in other words, if a particular YouTube person doesn't recommend a particular preacher, then that means that that person is automatically a heretic. And, um, He said, we need a third category. We need a third category, not for necessarily people that we would endorse, but also they're not false teachers, wolves, heretics either. And in principle, I agree with what he's saying. In fact, there absolutely is a third category. There certainly is with me. Uh, There are a number of preachers that I do not recommend to people, but nor would I call them a false teacher or a wolf or a false prophet either. And just as a couple of examples, uh, David Jeremiah, I don't, I don't call him a false teacher, but I would not recommend him to people either because of, uh, his, Previous uh, appearances on TBN, actively raising money for TBN, literally arm in arm with Paul Crouch, obviously before Paul Crouch died. Um, praising Paul Crouch, praising TBN, actively raising money for TBN. So, uh, and also that he has, he has had uh, Roman Catholics on his pulpit, Roma Downey and her husband Mark Burns when they were doing their films and the Jesus film Son of God. All that kind of stuff. So, um, I, for those reasons, I would not recommend David Jeremiah as a preacher. He's not someone that would be on my um, recommended list. But I'm not uh, going to call him an objective false teacher either. Um, um, Robert Jeffers is another one that I would not necessarily call. I would not call a false teacher, but I'm not going to recommend him. Uh, for several reasons. For one, he has kind of done the same thing that David Jeremiah did. He had uh, Sean Hannity behind his pulpit up on the stage on the platform on Sunday morning uh, talking about worship and the things of God and uh, blah, blah, blah. Well, Sean Hannity is a Roman Catholic. And uh, Robert Jeffress used to be very strong on Roman Catholicism, uh, used to rightly call it a cult and it is a theological call that is uh its doctrines are antithetical to the gospel it used to be very strong uh, rightly so uh, against the roman catholic church the theology uh but now since he's become very active with fox news and he's interviewed on fox news pretty frequently and uh became closely connected with donald trump and all that um, once he became real political now uh, Roman Catholics are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Pope Francis is a wonderful Christ follower, Pope Francis, who is the Deepak Chopra of Roman Catholicism. So he did a complete 180 degree turn on the Roman Catholic church. I have no respect for that, none at all. So, um, do I call him a false teacher? Eh, it's pretty close, but, um, he is definitely not someone I would recommend. So there's there's a number of preachers out there like that, that I, I do put into a third category. Now, all of that having been said, this individual whom I saw interviewed, he said as a great example of this third category would be someone like Joel Osteen. And I was really surprised to hear that. Uh, he says that the, he doesn't like Joel Osteen's prosperity theology and he doesn't like it that he rarely talks about sin. If ever, you know, doesn't confront people in their sin. He, he doesn't like those aspects of Joel Osteen and his ministry, but he said he, he looks at a statement of faith and he has an orthodox statement of faith. Well, a couple of points about that. Uh Every evangelical church will have a basic orthodox statement of faith, a statement of faith that will pass a basic doctrinal smell test. But that is, uh, I, I, I don't put a whole lot of stock in that because a lot of these statements of faith are just copied and pasted. In fact, there's one statement of faith out there that literally thousands of churches of almost all denominational stripes Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, Anglicans, Charismatic, and all—it's just a statement of faith that's out there that churches, thousands of them, literally um, copy and paste and put on their website. And in all likelihood, I mean, they didn't—they obviously didn't write it. And in all likelihood, a lot of the pastors and staff members of these churches haven't even read it. It's just a copied and pasted statement of faith. So I don't put a lot of stock into a basic statement of faith. Which Joel Osteen has. It's a very basic, you know, romper room, play school, crayon kind of statement of faith. Um, I like detailed statements of faith, detailed doctrinal statements. But um, at any rate, so the statement of faith doesn't mean a great deal, unless it's very detailed and you can tell that church wrote it themselves. But Joel Osteen does not fall into this third category. Joel Osteen is a false teacher, period. And he is leading millions of people straight to hell. And he's doing it under the name of quote-unquote Jesus. But it is a different Jesus than the Jesus in the Bible. I was very disappointed when I saw... Um, this individual characterized, Joel Osteen, as a third category. He's not a third category. He is a top-tier false teacher. And in my view, he is one of the most dangerous false teachers out there today, Surely, uh, simply because of the size of his ministry. He has one of, if not the largest, quote-unquote, churches in the United States of America. And he is, he is with little doubt, one of the most popular preachers on the planet because of, um, his false gospel message. So, uh, we're going to look at Joel Osteen and I'm going to go through and I'm going to show you a number of clips from several different interviews that Joel Osteen has done. And this will culminate towards the end of the video into Joel Osteen's denial of the exclusivity of Jesus Christ as the only way to be saved. So this is the first clip we will look at. This is from an interview that Joel Osteen did with Larry King way back in 2005. And Larry King is going to ask
1: Joel about gay marriage and abortion. How about issues that the church has feelings about? Abortion, uh, same-sex
2: marriage.
3: You know what, Larry? I I don't go there. I just...
1: uh, You have thoughts, though.
3: I have thoughts. I just... You know, I don't think that a same-sex marriage is the way God intended it to be. I don't think abortion is is the best. I think there are other, you know, a better way to live your life. But I'm not going to condemn those people. I, I tell them all the time, our church is open for everybody.
0: I don't think gay marriage is the way God intended it to be. I don't think abortion is the best. Homosexual marriage is an abomination. A, homosexual marriage does not even exist. Technically, because marriage is an institution created by God, not the United States Supreme Court. God created marriage; God defines it. So, regardless of what the United States Supreme Court has decided, back in 2015 with the Obergefell uh, decision, homosexual marriage isn't even a thing in God's eyes. We may have codified it into law on on paper here in the United States, other countries, of course. But um, it, it's not actually a thing. God defines marriage, not the United States Supreme Court. But it is, it is an abomination, and it is a sign of God's judgment on this country. So he says he doesn't think that that's the way God intended to be. And then he says, I don't think abortion is the best. The best? Abortion is murder. Abortion is Murder that is just appalling that he would say he doesn't think it's the best. It's unbelievable. And you know, you may be thinking, oh well he was, you know, he's just kind of caught off guard by Larry King and his he was on, you know, national television and he just kinda of clammed up a little bit. And th- these are not difficult questions. Okay? These are softball questions. These these are these are the equivalent of, of a of a softball sitting on a a T at um Little League or whatever. You knock that out of the park. That's not a, Those are not difficult questions. And as a pastor, uh, he should be more than ready to answer those easy, easy questions. But he's not. And you'll see as we go through this, you see how Joel Osteen, he knows that he's got to give at least something, some semblance of a biblical answer to these questions. He knows he's got to, to keep his people following him. Uh, but boy, it pains him to do it he doesn't like it he doesn't like to talk about it. it's like pulling teeth to get him to plant his flag on these issues he really does not like talking about it
1: you don't call them sinners i don't is that a word you don't use
3: oh i, I don't use it I, I never thought about it but i probably don't but you know most people already know what they're doing
0: wrong you don't call them sinners is that a word you don't use and he says you know i i don't i don't use that word you know i've never really thought about it but i probably don't most people already know what they're doing wrong. If you've listened to many of Joel Osteen's interviews that he's done, th- I mean, that phrase, the, what you just heard in that clip, is repeated over and over and over and over, practically word for word. And we'll see some of that as we go along in this video. He hasn't changed. Over the years, he has not changed. He, he says the same things over and over again. He does, by his own admission, he does not preach on sin. By his own admission, he doesn't preach on sin. Well, how do you preach the gospel if you don't preach about sin? You take sin away, and the gospel is meaningless. The gospel is nothing more than just a a slightly baptized version of self-help philosophy, Tony Robbins kind of stuff. And, lest you think I'm being hyperbolic, we'll see as we go along, that Joel Osteen basically admits that his message is motivational speaking self-help now watch this exchange as he is on the view several years later
1: i'm sorry i just want to ask you a controversial subject although i know you stay away from try to stay away from controversy but the last time you were here you said that homosexuality is not and i'm quoting you god's best
0: did you catch that so he was on The View before this particular occasion. He, was, he made a, a, a first initial appearance, and he said that homosexuality is not God's best. It's the same thing that he said uh, with Larry King a number of years before. I said several years, but you can tell by the, the videos. I'm, I don't know exactly, but it's probably about 10 years after he did the interview with Larry King. And ten, after he's had a decade to think about it, he still says, well, homosexuality is not the best. And now the ladies on The View are going to ask him about some pastor in Georgia, evangelical pastor, who apparently came out of the closet. Uh, He was married, had kids, but then came out of the closet and said he was gay. And they're going to ask him his opinion about that.
1: And recently a pastor of an evangelical church in Georgia named Jim Swilley came out and said that he's gay. He's married, he has children, but he's gay. Uh, What's your feeling about that?
3: Well, first off, Barbara, I should finish that sentence. I should make it clear. I don't think it's God's best for your life. I don't think it's not God's best making us. As far as that pastor is concerned, I don't. I don't know that. I don't know that individual situation. I, I think that. I believe the scriptures teach us that a, a pastor in leadership like that is, is not going to stay in a Christian church like ours. But I don't. I don't know if he's. Sh- you know whether he should come out or not. I believe maybe being open.
0: You see the. But- tortured response when Joel Osteen tries to hold on to some loosely held semblance of a biblical worldview on sexuality, but then he completely negates it by saying, you know, I don't I don't know this individual, this pastor's situation, you know, as if God's standard changes from one person to the next. Dear friends, that, that's the whole point of the gospel. God's standard does not change for anyone. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from, what culture you're in, what language you speak, how much melanin you have or don't have in your skin, how much you possess materially or not, how rich or poor you are. None of these things matter. God's standard is binding for everyone, and it does not change.
1: Christian church, should he get out of the Christian church if he's gay?
3: You know, I think that's a, that's totally up to him. I don't know.
0: I don't know. Literally one of his favorite responses, I don't know. Listen throughout the rest of this video how many times you hear him say, I don't know. I mean, the main thing, Barbara, is we are four people. Sometimes we get stuck on all we You know, it's week.
2: not a choice, Pastor. It's not a choice. And therefore, I don't think that God would look askance at homosexuality al- in that way. Because it's not a choice. If they're born this way. People are born this way. They are what they are. Well, I think and that's... so the Christian churches should embrace that notion. Well, you know what, Joy? You wouldn't, can, you wouldn't reject somebody who had a deformity.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. And, else. you know, I think the that, Joy. I
2: mean, no. to say it's a deformity, no. but no. there are other things that are embraced.
3: But if you came to our church, Joy, you would see people from all walks of life. We don't, we don't have a th- sign at the door. No gays, no drunkards, no people on drugs. We're for everybody, we'll and it. so we're we're not against people. We're
0: we're not against people. We're for people. That's another common refrain that you will hear from him over and over and over. We're not against people. We're for people. We're for everybody. You know, where I'm not against anybody. And, and you see just how uncomfortable he is. He, he knows what the Bible says, but he's embarrassed about it. He's ashamed of the gospel. That's what he is. He's ashamed of the gospel. He knows what's in the Bible. He knows he's got to hold to some semblance of some kind of biblical orthodoxy. But boy, he sure wishes he didn't have to. That's Joel Osteen. He is embarrassed by what the scriptures teach. He is ashamed of the gospel. And we're going to shift to another interview that Joel Osteen did with a man named George Strombolopoulos. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, his name is long. I think his last name has 17 letters. <laughs> it uh, may be the longest last name I've ever heard. So George Strombolopoulos, and he's going to he's going to ask Joel about some of these issues, homosexuality and uh, abortion. and and Joel Osteen should be ready for this, right? I mean, every single interview he does, he's asked about those two issues, and he's never ready for it. He knows they're coming, and he's never ready. He always gives these tortured responses. Watch.
4: And this is a question I know that my audience, our audience, really connects with as well. And In the abortion debate, which abortion and same-sex marriage became really the big ones, yeah. Not everybody who's against abortion is a Christian. There's lots, there's, that is an issue that you can see why people have different opinions. I've yet to hear a good reason as to why same sex couples can't get married. From my own family, from other pastors I've interviewed, I've yet to hear a good reason. Does your church have a position on that?
3: Well, you know, I've, I've taken a position on that, and it's not my, it's not my focus, and I hate to get into it because then you just get labeled as haters and stuff yeah. like that. But, you know, it just, I don't, I don't know that I have a, a good answer for you as well I just go back to my faith is based on the scripture and I you know I see there it's it's um you know the marriage was between a man and a woman not against anybody else
0: he literally said I don't know that I have a good answer for you my faith is based on the scriptures there's your good answer that 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 is I'm just sometimes at a loss for words with Joel Osteen. I don't know if I have a good answer for you. You know, My faith is based on the Scriptures. There's your answer. Your faith is ostensibly based on the Scriptures. Matthew 19, verse 4. And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. There's your answer. There's your good answer. I I, I mean, you see how Joel Oson is so tortured when he's asked these questions, same questions over and over and over, and he... He cringes at it. He he knows the questions are coming, and he's he's man up. I mean, dude, man, up. Uh, I got no respect for Joel Osteen. None, not a zip. He is he is ashamed of the gospel. He knows what the Bible says. I mean, his father John Osteen was no expositor at all, but there was much more of the gospel. In John Osteen's preaching than has ever been in Joel Osteen's preaching. But here's the thing, Joel Osteen is John Osteen's son. He listened to his father preach for decades. I mean, he knows what the gospel is, intellectually. He knows what the Bible says. He's just ashamed of it. He is ashamed of the gospel. And friends, a man like that who is ashamed of the gospel not only has no business being a pastor, Um, any man who is ashamed of the gospel is not a Christian. He is not a Christian. Joel Osteen is not a Christian. Oh, and and you're going to object. Oh, well, he's got that doctrinally, you know, he's got that basic statement of faith and he affirms all the basic elements of the gospel, of course he does. It's a church. It's an evangelical, quote-unquote, church. He's got to have that. But friends, it doesn't matter what a person professes to believe. How one carries himself, how one teaches the gospel, how one handles the scripture, uh, all of these things are, are fruits, good or bad as to what you truly believe deep down in your heart. And any person who is truly a Christian is not ashamed of the gospel. I mean, Romans 1.16, right? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for anyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Apostle Paul was not ashamed of the gospel Any true Christian is not ashamed of the gospel. Joel Osteen is ashamed of the gospel. That's why he doesn't preach it.
4: But herein lies the rub. So it's okay to have that position, but that position en masse tries to influence politicians to prevent other people from having the right.
3: Well, I guess my thing is that's one reason I stay out of the fight. You know, when I'm one vote, I'm not, you'll never hear me from my pulpit. You know, only time this comes up is on on, on interviews or things like that.
0: The only time that these issues come up, abortion and homosexual marriage, is when he's being interviewed. Never at his church. You know why these issues don't come up in his church? Because he doesn't preach the scriptures. Here's what Joel Osteen does. He takes a verse here and there, lifts it out of its context, and he reads into that his own preconceived theology, his own meaning into it. And if you do that, you can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say. I mean, his his theology is is the it's all, here's what it is: you take a verse of Scripture out of its context and you put it in a fortune cookie. Literally, if you were to break open a fortune cookie and read any fortune cookie at random, whatever came out of there that that would probably be you know a, a pretty good theme for Joel Osteen's next sermon. It's it's fortune cookie theology. Cotton candy. He just takes a verse here and there, takes it completely out of context, and uses it in his own preconceived way to make it say what he wants it to say rather than what the text actually says. And that is someone who has no regard for the Bible, none, and no regard, therefore, for the God of the Bible. Joel Osteen is not. A Christian. He's not a Christian. And I stand by that because here's the deal, friends. Joel Osteen, by his own admission, says, in fact, he's been asked about his testimony. He says that he's always believed. He's just apparently came out of the womb believing. He's always been a Christian. He's got no conversion testimony. If this man has truly been a Christian, he's, I think he's almost 60 years old. And I think maybe 59, 59 or 60 years old now. For let's say, let's just be generous, 50 years. If you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God for 50 years, you should be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. You should be ready to answer these easy softball questions. If the Holy Spirit of God is strong enough to save us, he is strong enough to deliver us out of deception. All of us start off as baby Christians. All of us do. But the funny thing about babies is that babies don't stay babies. Babies grow up. And if you're truly a Christian, you are indwelt by the third person of the triune God. And the Holy Spirit is not a weakling. Okay? He's not a girly man. If he's strong enough to save us, he's strong enough to deliver us out of deception. He is strong enough to sanctify us. And grow us in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Joel Osteen doesn't he doesn't even give answers that a baby Christian would give. This is there's no sanctification in this man's life. Oh, you know, he comes across as very nice and very affable and you know he smiles a lot. But sincerity's not the issue. Truth is the issue. This man is not growing in Christ. He's not indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He is ashamed of the Gospel. Obviously ashamed of the Gospel. And that is not a Christian. No Christian is ashamed of the Gospel.
3: But, you know, it's it's a difficult issue with the whole faith community back in back at home, back in America, I guess anywhere, but it's a difficult issue.
0: No, it's not a difficult issue. Homosexual marriage is not a difficult issue. Abortion is not a difficult issue. These are not difficult issues to give an answer for if you are truly a Christian and if you believe the word of God. No, these are not difficult issues. They're softball issues. Now watch this clip from the same interview as George Strombolopoulos uh, makes a very interesting observation about Joel Osteen. This is fascinating. Watch.
3: Archie and Jack argued for years whether Jesus was black or white. Archie was certain Jesus was white, but Jack was just as certain he was black. As fate would have it, they both died on the same day and raced to the pearly gates to see who was right. St. Peter, they shouted, is Jesus white or black? About that time, Jesus walked up and said, buenos dias. (laughs)
4: Back here, Pastor Joel. Look, that's a funny joke, but what was the point you were trying to get across there?
3: Yeah, the point, is, you know, don't worry about it. You know,
4: love Which is everybody. Super Buddhist of you. That's the whole thing, right? <laughs> when I watched your sub, I was like, He's, does, does he know? He kind of sounds like a Buddhist.
0: So George Strombolopoulos says, Strombolopoulos says to him, you know, how very Buddhist of you. you. You sound like a Buddhist, friends. If you're a Christian pastor with a very large public platform and people can't tell the difference between you and a buddhist uh you're doing ministry wrong can you imagine can you imagine anyone ever john macarthur has been interviewed on a lot of different public platforms fox news larry king other venues can can you imagine anybody asking macarthur saying to macarthur you know you know john i listen to you preach and boy you you sound like a buddhist not in a million years that would never be asked of John McCarthy. That would be never said of him. It Would be never said, never be said of Paul Washer or Steve Lawson or Jim Osmond or Mike Riccardi or Phil Johnson or or any or, or any any faithful Christian pastor. No faithful Christian pastor in a million years would ever come across to anyone as a Buddhist, but Joel Osteen does. It's a journey for you too.
4: It is. So, you don't, like, you obviously no one has all the answers. No, so, what's it like to counsel people when you're not sure about everything?
3: You know what? I just, um, one of my favorite answers is I don't know. And I think that's important to, to realize that we don't have all the answers.
0: One of my favorite answers is I don't know. Indeed. When you listen to Joel Osteen in interviews, that, that is, I, those three words are repeated. Over and over and over and over. I don't know. I don't know. Is Jesus the only I You know Who's going to heaven? I don't know. I don't know. Well, you're supposed to know. You're, we're supposed to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us. And indeed, friends, these are not difficult questions. These are ground-level, basic, play school, romper room, Christianity 101, ground floor questions. And the best he can come up with, I don't know. I don't know. Now watch this uh, video clip. This is rather insightful. This is a fascinating little peek kind of behind the curtain, so to speak, with Joel Osteen. Watch this.
4: But you have the system, right? Because you were inside. Look at this clip here. You're thinking about all these details here. John, show him that reverse shot. That's
3: That's a great shot. That's a, you know, it's saying a lot by just saying, you know what, there's a lot of people there. It gives me credibility when I speak. And so those things are important to me. So we choose right angles and stuff like that, just to, you know, whatever we can do to get the message across. I think when somebody flips by that, they think, well, you know, he's got a lot of people there. Maybe he's got something to say.
0: Isn't that interesting? Joel Osteen, see, his background was video production, video editing. He was the guy behind the camera before he was in front of the camera. And he said, I love that shot, you know, because it shows all these people behind me a full coliseum and, you know, and it gives me credibility makes people think that I have something to say. Dear friends, let me tell you something. A preacher has nothing to say outside of Scripture. The only credibility, the only authority that comes, comes strictly and solely from the Word of God. As the Word of God is rightly handled, uh, taught with precision, taught with unction, that is, that is the only authority That any preacher has. I have no authority in and of myself. The authority that comes with preaching comes in so much as the Word of God is exposited rightly, taught rightly. The authority is in Scripture. He thinks the authority, he thinks the credibility comes when people see that he has a big audience that he's preaching to. That is just a stunning thing to say. It it's very revealing, actually. It, it is quite revealing. As is, as is this next exchange. Oh, watch this.
4: You, and, I, and I recognize how difficult this is to answer because you're on television and you don't really know me and it's, it's strange, but what are you struggling with? Like, What's the thing that you can't figure out right now that you know is weighing you down? You know, there's some things I look up and I think, you know what? I don't know what the right position is now. Uh, You know, the Bible's not necessarily
3: clear on it to me. You know, it doesn't speak directly to it. And so, you know, that, that, uh, I don't know if I'm struggling, but I thought, you know, I would love to have clarity on that so that I know that I'm taking the right course. How do you figure that out? I don't know. I think you just pray, you wait, you be sensitive to what you're feeling in here.
0: How do you figure out what is the right course or what is the right position? To be on a particular issue or question, how do you figure that out? And Joel Olsie says, "Well, well yeah, no, I don't know. I, I just pray and I and I look and you know see what I'm feeling and hear what you look to see what you're feeling and hear and uh, no, dear friends, truth is external to us. Truth is binding on all of us because it is." It is external. It comes from God. God is the source of truth. What Jesus prayed for his disciples, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. If you want to find truth, then don't look in here. Look to the word of God. That's the source to which we look. Not internally, externally. To God's truth. Now we're going to switch to another interview that Joel Osteen did on, uh, I think this is CBS's show uh, Sunday morning. And this is going to get to uh, see the interviewer is going to ask him about why he does not preach on sin or hell. Osteen, with wife and
1: co-pastor Victoria, leads Houston's Lakewood Church. It's now the largest congregation in the United States. More than 40,000 members show up every week
0: to hear Joel Osteen's message of hope, usually delivered with his trademark
3: smile. God is not in the condemning business. He's in the restoration
1: business. His sermons are relentlessly positive, and that's made him a target of critics who say Osteen sometimes sounds less like a preacher and more like a motivational
3: speaker. You have to take the hand you've been dealt and make the most of
1: it. You know, you've been criticized for church light. Yeah, that's right. For a cotton candy yeah. message. Do you feel like you're cheating people by not telling them about the hell part? The no, repentance because, part? No,
3: I really don't because it's a different approach. You know, it's not hellfire and brimstone, but I say most people are beaten down enough by life. They already feel guilty enough. They're not doing what they should do, raising their kids, or, the, you know, we can all find reasons. So, I want him to come to Lakewood or our, our meetings and be lifted up to say, you know what? I may not be perfect, but I'm moving forward. I'm doing better. And I think that motivates you to do better.
0: So asked him, do you feel like you're cheating people for not telling them about the hell part? And he said, no, no, he doesn't. You know, that, that in and of itself completely disqualifies him from being in any kind of ministry." It disqualifies him from even being a Christian because he obviously doesn't understand the gospel. Is he cheating people? Yeah, cheating is not even the word. Uh, he is leading people, dear friends, to hell. He's leading them to hell by not telling them about hell. You know, Do you feel like you're cheating people because you, you're not telling them about the hell part? Well, hey, Joel, take a cue from this lady who's interviewing you. She knows more about the gospel than you do. No, 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 no. I take that back because you do know the gospel. It's not that she knows more about the gospel than do you, but she at least has enough intellectual integrity to challenge you on it because she knows it's in the Bible. You know it's in the Bible. You just choose not to teach. You choose not to talk about the hell part. Well, Jesus did. Jesus talked about the hell part repeatedly on many occasions. Dear friends, the mercy of God does not make any sense until we first understand the wrath of God. It is only the wrath of God that makes the mercy of God precious. And by not talking about sin, by not talking about God's wrath, by not talking about the hell part, which is very real, Joel Osteen is completely negating and making meaningless the mercy of God and making meaningless the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ has no meaning, it has no power apart from understanding the righteousness, the justice, And the wrath of God. Joel Osteen is preaching a different Jesus. Oh, he's using the same name, Jesus. But he's preaching a different Jesus. And he's preaching a different gospel. And he is leading millions upon millions of people straight to hell. And when he says, oh, people, he actually says his goal in preaching is that people leave his service feeling better about themselves than when they came in. If you're a pastor and your goal in ministry, your goal in preaching is to make people feel better about themselves, get out of ministry. I mean, get out. Get out of the pulpit before you heap any more condemnation upon yourself. Yes, there is uh, the, the love of God and the faithfulness of God and the compassion of God, but these things, these things are promises for the believer. If if you're not a believer in Christ, if you're not a Christian, then you know the last thing you need to do is to feel better about yourself. It is only the wrath of God that makes us come to the end of ourselves. And and Joel Osteen says that that um, that uh, you know people already know what they're doing wrong. That's not true. That is emphatically not true. I mean, people have some vague understanding that they're not perfect, and yeah, they've had some oopsies here and there. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you, because I've done this. I mean, you go out and Ray Comfort does it all the time. You go out and you ask a hundred people at random on the street, "Are you a good person?" I guarantee you, ninety-nine, if not a hundred, of them are going to say, "Yeah, I'm a good person," because what we like to do is we like to compare ourselves to other people. We think the the standard of goodness is just found amongst humanity and sure yeah if i were to compare myself to saddam hussein or pol pot hitler adolf uh, adolf hitler uh, benito mussolini you know joseph stalin um, jack the ripper you know yeah I'm, I'm a pretty good old boy you know I've i've never done any of those things But the standard of goodness is not found amongst humanity. The standard of goodness, the only standard of goodness, is God's standard of goodness. He defines goodness. And none of us, compared to God, is good. None. There is none righteous. No, not one. Now let's go to another interview. This one he did with Piers Morgan, along uh, with his wife, Victoria, he and Victoria being interviewed by Piers Morgan. This was their second appearance on the Piers Morgan program, and we're going to revisit um, gay marriage, as as all of his interviews do. Watch this.
2: A lot of controversy. Since then, more states have endorsed same-sex marriage. It's becoming much less of a prohibitive kind of issue than it used to be. What's your view now?
3: You know, Piers, it really never changes because mine was mine's based out of the Scripture. That's what I believe that the Scripture says that that homosexuality is a sin. So, it, you know, I believed it before, and I still believe it now. Again, I would just reiterate what I said. I'm not after. I'm not mad at anybody. I don't dislike anybody. But, you know, you know, respecting my faith and believing, you know, in in what the Scripture says. That's the best way I can interpret it.
0: So, I included that to show you that yes, when push comes to shove, he will finally say that homosexuality is a sin, but he says it because he knows he has to. He knows the Bible is crystal clear on this, and he's got to say it to keep his following. Uh, But again, you see how pained he is that he has to say it. He's ashamed of the gospel. Now, watch this. This is a very interesting question from Piers Morgan. Uh, As he asked them, he actually asked Victoria, would you attend a homosexual wedding if these two homosexuals go to your church. Fascinating
2: watch. I mean, Tori, what do you think of all this, the the gay marriage debate? I mean, could you ever imagine attending a gay marriage between two people who come to your church, for example, if they invited you?
3: Well, I think if it was that easy, that we would have figured it out by now. But it's been overthrown. States go for it, and then they overthrow well, it. And it so, invita- so it's very okay. difficult But accepting for an invitation people.
2: is easy. So would you accept one or not? To, would I accept one? Two gay people who attend your church invite you to their wedding. Um, Sure, I would go.
3: You would? Well, I don't, you know, if so I had time, could you go? I would. <laughs> if they were friends of mine, yeah. and I respect them, I would certainly go.
0: So Victoria says, yeah, yeah, I would go. You know, if I had time, I would go to a to a homosexual wedding, two homosexuals that are in our church, I would go, and Joel Osteen affirms, yeah, I would go to uh, respect them. Here's the rest of it.
2: You would watch two people you think are sinners committing the ultimate sin? Well,
3: I'm looking at it, well, I don't think it's the ultimate sin, but I'm looking at it from another point of view of respect to that person. And, you know, it's you know, it gets convoluted, but I'm looking at it as respect to that person.
2: Could you? Could you, in your position, Actually, actively encourage people to go through a same-sex marriage. Could you be seen to do it? Could you be photographed at such an event? Well,
3: I would, would that not. that cause you problems? Well, you know, it, there's it's such a hypothetical. And I'm talking well, about. Well, not really,
2: because you said lots of gay people go to your church, so it might happen.
3: Well, I haven't been to many weddings lately to begin with, but I'm talking about somebody that was, you know.
0: Just a brief interruption. You, you see again, his head is down, and you, you, it just. It pains him to have to answer these questions biblically. He's ashamed of the gospel. He's ashamed of the gospel. Not only is that not a pastor, that's not a Christian. Christians are not ashamed of the gospel.
3: Dear to us. I'm not going to disrespect somebody that's dear to us and say, you know what, you're not good enough for us or something like that. That's the way I would see it. Now I'm not gonna just run off and go to attend, you know, certain marriages just to make a statement because that's not who I am and that's not what I stand for, and again I don't look down on those people.
0: So he says he would attend a homosexual marriage of two homosexuals in his church so as not to disrespect them, to you know, to show his respect for them. He would go and attend. That quote unquote wedding. Romans fourteen twenty two. Blessed is a man who is not condemned by what he approves. And if you show up at a homosexual wedding there to show your respect, then you're giving your implicit approval to something that is an abomination to God. And not only is it an abomination to God, but if your motive in going is to show respect to these people, Joel, here's how you show respect to them. Here's how you show them love. The most loving thing you can do for someone is to tell them the truth, is to tell them the truth. And Piers Morgan has enough, just like the uh, lady reporter for CBS this morning or Sunday morning. Uh, Piers Morgan has—he's lost, but he's got enough intellectual integrity and intellectual honesty to challenge Joel, and say, "No, wait, wait a minute. You would go and you would you would attend something. You would give your approval to something that you believe is a sin." He's got enough intellectual honesty to connect those dots. Joel Osteen, huh? And Joel Osteen is held to a far higher standard because he actually knows what's in the Bible. It is just an abomination. It is it is appalling. Joel Osteen is not does not fit into the third category. He's not someone that well we wouldn't wouldn't necessarily recommend him, but I'm not going to call him a false teacher either. I'll call him a false teacher. Anybody, anybody with a with a with a a, a biblical worldview here should have no hesitation at all calling Joel Osteen a false teacher. If you want to show love to two men who are about to get quote-unquote married or two women about to get quote-unquote married, if if you want to show them love, then love them enough to tell them the truth. Love them enough to say, don't do this. Come to Christ. Repent of your sin. Place your trust in Christ. Lay your works down. They will profit you nothing. Nothing. Come to Christ, and in Christ you'll find freedom. You'll find forgiveness. All things will pass away. All things will be made new. Love them enough to tell them that. Love them enough to tell them if they don't repent, then they will perish for all of eternity, spend all of eternity in the lake of fire. The most loving thing you can do for someone is to tell them the truth. The most hateful thing you can do is to know the truth, but don't tell them. If you really want to hate somebody, do that. Know the truth. Don't tell them. So I don't care how much Joel Osteen smiles. I don't care how much of a, you know, an all shucks kind of attitude he may have. Joel Osteen hates homosexuals. He hates them because he knows the truth and he doesn't tell them. Not only does he hate homosexuals. He hates all of his followers. Joel Osteen hates every person that follows him. And lest you think that sounds harsh, friends, it is the inescapable conclusion to know the truth, but don't tell them. That is the very definition of hatred. Now we're going to jump to another interview, this one by, uh, by Larry King, but this is a different, this is an interview that was done A number of years after the first interview with Larry King, watch this.
1: Now your fan base is not just Christian, right? I understand you have Muslims, even atheists. How do you explain that? You know, why would an atheist be a fan? Well,
3: I think what they like, Larry, is when you know the principles that we teach are from the Scripture, but they help. They can help anybody, you know, to reach dreams or to forgive or to uh, to have healthy. You know, good self-image. So.
0: so Joel Osteen all but admits that his message is not a distinctly Christian message. It is self-help. It is motivational speaking. It's, it's a self-help message that's just sprinkled with a little bit of Christian lingo here and there, a Bible verse taken out of context here and there. But there's nothing distinctly Christian about it. It's just self-help, motivational, happy talk, psycho babble. That um, he believes can affect and help anyone, Christian or non Christian alike.
3: You know, I know I'm not a traditional pastor in terms of I'm just going down teaching scripture by scripture because, you know, a lot of my, you know, what I would teach would just be more how to live a, a great life.
0: Well, there was a Freudian slip. He says, you know, I, I'm not a traditional pastor that just teaches the scripture verse by verse, you know, or scripture by scripture. I, you know, I, I'm not that kind of a pastor. Uh, Well, that means you're not a pastor at all, because that actually is what real pastors do. That's what a biblical pastor does. He teaches the Word of God verse by verse. That's what an actual pastor does. You're not a pastor, Joel. Dear friends, Joel Osteen is not a pastor. He's a wolf, and he's a hireling. A lot of people
1: turned off by religion.
0: Yeah. Why?
3: Well, I think in the past, you know, or just in general, sometimes religion is about you're doing this wrong and you're doing, you know, you can't measure up. And, you know, I I get people criticize me because I want people to leave church feeling better than they were before. I think people already have enough guilt and condemnation or beaten down by life. so. You know, I think a lot of people, at least the ones I talked to, that grew up in a church where you just felt more guilty. You could never measure up.
0: So he acknowledges that he gets criticism and he knows exactly what the criticism is and yet he never changes. He doesn't change. He doesn't change his message. He continues to preach the same false Jesus and false self-help, motivational, psychobabble gospel that is devoid of any power to save. So he's well aware of the criticism. He knows what the criticism is. He just doesn't care. Full steam ahead, doesn't care, continues to lead people to, to hell. And then he he says, people people already know what they're doing wrong. You know, and then people, uh, he said, I want people to, to leave the service feeling better about themselves. And when they came in, we've heard this before already. Again, if that's your goal in preaching, stop preaching. Get out of the pulpit and get saved. You know, he says, well, people, I don't want people to come, and you know, always feel like they just can't measure up." <laughs> Joel, that's the whole point of the gospel. We can't measure up. We can't. That's why the cross was necessary. That's why Jesus, who existed before the world was, came to this earth, took on a A robe of human flesh took upon himself a human nature so as the God-man he could live a perfect life to the perfect satisfaction of God and give his life as a perfect sacrifice to perfectly satisfy the perfect wrath of God because we can't measure up. Again, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who does good. No, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us can measure up. That's the point of the gospel. But he misses it. Completely misses it. Friends, you can be wrong about any number of secondary or tertiary issues. You know, you can be wrong in your view of eschatology. You can be wrong in who you think wrote the book of Hebrews. You can be wrong in whether or not you think Matthias was a, a true apostle. You can be wrong about the date of the Exodus. You know, you. But you can't be wrong about the gospel. You cannot be wrong about the gospel. Joel Osteen is. He knows the truth. He just refuses to teach it. And listen to this as Larry King asks Joel Osteen again about homosexuality. What are your views on homosexuality?
3: You know, they're, they're the same that they've been. that I, don't, I, I believe the scripture says that it's a sin. But I always follow that up by saying, you know what? We're not against anybody. Well, def- if you're calling
1: it a sin, how could it be a sin if we don't know what causes it? We don't know why. You don't know why you're heterosexual.
3: No, and I, uh,
1: You don't know why you're heterosexual. No,
3: and there's a lot of things, Larry, that I don't. I don't understand. So, you know, I don't. I don't preach on it. I don't preach about it. It only comes up during the interviews.
0: So once again, Joel, listen. You know, I. I don't know. I. I don't understand. And, you know the this he's embarrassed by the gospel he's ashamed of the gospel and he says these issues never come up except in the interviews the reason they don't come up in his church is because he doesn't preach the gospel he doesn't preach the word of god he doesn't do exposition he doesn't have a church lakewood church is not a church he's not feeding the sheep he's entertaining the goats that's all he's doing, and he's trying to have both the favor of the world and the favor of God. He's trying to come across as this Christian pastor and yet have the favor of the world too, curry the favor of the world. You can't do both. You cannot have both the favor of the world and the favor of God. Choose one or the other because you cannot have both. Now, listen to this as Larry King asked Joel Osteen about what happens when
1: you die, what do you think happens when you die? What do you think happens? You don't. You can't know.
3: No, you you can't know. But what I believe, again, being a you know a person of faith, I believe that there's there's a, a heaven and then there, there's there there's a hell as well. There's an afterlife.
0: So he says, well, yeah, you know, I, I believe there's a heaven. I believe there's a hell. I, I believe there's an afterlife. You see how sheepish he is, how embarrassed he is. You know, so. So, yeah, he he says he believes in hell, He'll, he'll but that's just to throw a bone to uh, to the evangelical world. That's all he's doing. He's got to say that to, to maintain his following. But you see how embarrassed he is by it. You know, I, yeah, I believe a, there's a heaven. I believe there's a hell. I believe there's an afterlife. I'm just not going to tell anybody how to get there. You know, I, I believe there's a hell. I'm just not going to tell anybody about it or, or how to escape it. And lest you think, because I know there's my critics out there and you're going to jump on that. Why? Well, Joel Osteen, after every sermon, he says, and I quote, friends, we never like to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you want to know Jesus, just pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. Friends, if you just prayed that prayer, we believe you got born again. That's what he says. That's at, at the end of every sermon. That's what he says. Just a very basic Throw in some lingo. Yeah, throw in the word repent. Don't ever talk about repentance, ever. Don't ever talk about sin, ever. Don't ever, you know, yeah, I'll throw those two words in. Literally, the only time you'll hear me use the words sin and repent is that little short, little vacation Bible school, first grade little Christian ditty of a sinner's prayer but I'll never talk I'll never preach about sin. I'll never define it rightly. I'll never talk about what it is. I'll never talk about how it's an affront to a thrice holy God that incurs his righteous wrath. I I'm not going to talk about repentance. I'm not going to tell you what that is. I'll just use the words without ever defining them in this short little ditty that you can repeat after me at the end of my sermon and just like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz clicking her heels three times saying there's no place like home and she's back in Kansas. You just repeat this little prayer and friends, if you prayed that prayer, we believe you got born again. How many millions, millions of people listen to this man week in and week out? How many millions of people have repeated that little mantra after him without any understanding of what it actually means or supposedly uh, represents. And they just repeat that little ditty, and now they think they're in the club. You know, friends, we either believe these things or we don't. I actually do believe there is a real heaven and there is a real hell. And I believe that people who trust a false Jesus and a false gospel gospel, will go to that very real hell where there will be wailing, weeping, gnashing of teeth. The worm will not die. The fire will not be quenched. The smoke of their torment will go up day and night forever and ever, and it will never end. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what God teaches. How much do you have to hate someone? To know that and to believe that, claim to believe it, and yet don't tell them. Joel Osteen, I don't care how much he smiles, Joel Osteen is one of the most evil men on the planet. To claim to believe what he says he believes, to claim to be a Christian, to claim to believe the Bible, and yet he says nothing about sin, nothing about hell, Nothing about righteousness, nothing about God's justice, nothing about God's holiness, nothing about repentance, nothing about God's wrath, nothing about these things. How much do you have to hate someone? Joel Osteen hates his followers. Joel Osteen is not a Christian.
1: We're back with Joel Osteen. His new book is Breakout, Five Keys to Go Beyond Your Barriers and Live an Extraordinary Life. We discussed salvation on my own show. Do you still believe it's up to God to decide who goes to heaven? Is there a decision point? Do you think you uh, go, you don't?
3: Well, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that's true. Ultimately, but of course, it has something to do with us too. But you know, God is the ultimate
1: judge. You fear death?
3: I don't fear death.
1: You've got to be kidding.
3: Well, I don't. I really don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't fear it. I don't. I don't want to die now, but I don't. I don't know that I fear it. You know, I just. I don't. I don't feel like I fear it.
1: Don't wonder about it.
3: No, I don't I don't wonder about it. I don't. I really believe in But you I do believe really, you go somewhere. I do believe. Yeah. I believe yeah.
0: How tragic. Larry King asked Joel Osteen, you know, do you do you fear death? And Joel Osteen said, Well, no, no, not really. Oh, come on. No, no. Well, you know, Larry King feared death, obviously. Larry King was an agnostic. He knew that there or believed that there may be something out there but not a not a personal God. He just didn't, you know, he he didn't know where life and the universe came from. He's agnostic about it. And, but, uh, but his conscience convicted him. He was afraid of death as any lost person should be afraid of death. And Joel, I mean, uh, Larry King is all but begging Joel Osteen to give him some hope. Almost like the The Babylon Bee guys, you know, when they interviewed Elon Musk, Elon Musk was all but on his hands and knees begging these supposed Christians to explain to him uh, the gospel, give him some hope, and they didn't. They made a mockery out of the gospel. Same way. Same way. Joel Osteen just makes a mockery out of it. Here's a man who is genuinely wanting to know the answers, and Joel Osteen has the answers up here, he knows them intellectually but he doesn't truly believe them. Because if he did, he would share the gospel. He would share the truth with Larry King. Joel Osteen has been interviewed multiple times by Larry King on not one of these interviews and not one of these interviews on not one occasion has Joel Osteen ever shared with Larry King the gospel. Not once. How tragic. Larry King is dead now. And Larry King, barring some deathbed conversion of which I am not aware. Larry King right now is in the lake of fire. He's joined the rich man in Luke chapter 16. He's probably wondering why this pastor of the largest church in the United States on multiple occasions refused to give him the gospel to share with him how he could escape this place. Tragic. Truly is tragic. Now uh, let's change. We'll jump to another interview that uh, Joel Osteen did, did. This one with Oprah Winfrey. Well, dear friends, uh, did get a copyright strike, but but not yeah. but, mm-hmm. well. Friends, I did get a copyright strike, but not from Joel Osteen. I was actually in the process of uploading this, and just finished uploading, and uh, the checking process was in process, and Oprah Winfrey. Filed a copyright claim. Now I have challenged it, but I, I don't want to wait. It could be a week, could be a month before this is uh, finished. So I'm going to go ahead. I, I am taking this part out. There's a screenshot, but uh, I mean, my use of this comes well within the fair use and copy parameters. But nonetheless, uh, in the interest of just getting this up, so you can go ahead and have this information, I took the video out. So, um, in this clip, what you would have seen, and you can look for it yourself on YouTube, look up Joel Osteen, Oprah Winfrey, you can see this. But Oprah Oprah Winfrey says to Joel, you have 16,000 people show up at your services, and there must be at least some gay people there. Will they go to heaven? And Joel Osteen says, yes, I believe they will. So there's the clip. That I, or that's what was said in the clip that I had to take out. So Oprah Winfrey asked Joel Osteen, will gays, will homosexuals go to heaven? And Joel Osteen responds in the affirmative. Absolutely, he says. This in direct contradiction to the clear teaching of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11. through The Apostle Paul writes, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Dear friends, the Bible could not be more clear. Homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. Joel Osteen says they will. God says they won't. Is it the unforgivable sin? No, it is not. Because Paul continues in verse 11, he says, For such were some of you. You were those things, but you're not anymore. You were sexually immoral, but you're not anymore. You were a reviler. You were a drunkard. You were a swindler, but you're not anymore. You were a homosexual, but you're not anymore. But you were washed. You are sanctified. You are justified. Dear friends, there is freedom in the gospel of Christ for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. There is freedom in the gospel of Christ for the homosexual. There is freedom and forgiveness. And if you truly come to Christ, you can join the ranks of the such were some of you. Okay, dear one, so now we're going to begin... The final section of this video in which I will show you how Joel Osteen denies the exclusivity of Christ. This is what I teased kind of at the first part, the front end of this video, and now we're going to get to that section. So now we're going to go back in time, if you will, back to uh, 2005, and I'm going to show you a number of clips, several different interviews, uh, in which Joel Osteen denies the exclusivity of Christ. This from Larry King interview back in 2005. What if you're Jewish or Muslim and
1: you don't accept Christ at all?
3: You know, I, I just, I'm very careful about saying who and
1: would and wouldn't go to heaven. I don't know, I think only God... you can... believe you have to believe in Christ. I so believe They're wrong, aren't they? Well,
3: you're... I don't know if I believe they're wrong. I believe here's what the Bible teaches, and from the Christian faith, this is what I believe. But I just think that only God can judge a person's heart. I've spent a lot of time in India with my father, and, uh, you know, I don't know all about their religion, but I know they love God. And I don't know, I'd have to, you know, I've seen their sincerity, so I don't know. I just, I know for me and what the Bible teaches, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. But
0: So Larry King asks Osteen, he says, what if you're Jewish or Muslim and you don't accept Christ at all? You know, if, if you don't, they're wrong, aren't they? And Joel Osteen responds by saying, well, I don't know if I believe they're wrong. You don't know if you believe they're wrong. John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And then Osteen says, "You know, I know for me in what the Bible teaches, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. I know for me and what you see, you see the uh, the relativism there. Well, what's true for me is that I want to have a relationship with Jesus, but what's what's true for me may not be true for you. You see, that, that's relativism." Truth is relative dependent upon the individual, not upon God. And uh, and then Joel Osteen says this. He says, I've been to India with my father. And he said, I don't know all about their religion, but I know they love God. Dear friends, he's talking about Hindus. Hindus do not love God because they don't know God. How can you love someone that you don't even know? He says, well, I've seen their sincerity. You know, sincerity is not the issue. Truth is the issue. So he just told everyone on international television that Hindus love God. Hindus have, what, like three million gods? And hey, a Hindu is all too happy to put a little quote-unquote Jesus up on the shelf with all of his other three million gods and make Jesus the three millionth and first God. You know, three million and one, I suppose, using round numbers here. They believe in millions of gods. So they're all too happy to put Jesus up there as just another one. That That's a different Jesus than the Jesus of the Bible. He says, I've seen their sincerity. I know they love God. No, they do not love God. They do not love God. And then a caller called in on uh, the same broadcast, a lady who heard this from Joel Osteen, and
1: she had a question for him. Listen. Phoenix, Arizona. Hello. Hello, Larry. You're the best. And thank you, Joel, Joel for your positive messages and your book. I'm wondering though, um, why you sidestepped Larry's earlier question about how we get to heaven. Um, the Bible clearly tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and the only way to the Father is through him. That's not really a message of condemnation, but of truth. Yeah, I would agree with her.
3: I believe that. So That's a a what you Jew
1: he... is not going to happen.
3: No, I. I you can. well, here's my thing, Larry, is I can't judge somebody's heart, you know. I don't know. Only God can look at somebody's heart. And so, I don't know. I just, to me, it's not my business to say, you know, this one is or this one isn't. I'm just saying, here's what the Bible teaches, and I want to put my faith in, uh, you know, in Christ. And I just, I think it's wrong when we go around saying, you know, you're not going, you're not going, you're not going, because it's not exactly my way. I'm just, I'm not going to be believe the God. your way. I believe my way. I believe my way with all my heart.
1: For so someone uh, who doesn't share it, it well, is wrong, isn't it? Yeah. Right uh, Andy.
3: Well, I don't know if I look at it like that.
1: I would I would present
3: my way, but I'm just going to let God be the judge of that.
1: I mean, I don't know, I don't know.
0: So this lady from Phoenix, Arizona calls in, and she rightly pushes back on Joel Osteen and asks him why he was unclear about whether or not Jesus is the only way to be saved, and uh, Larry King asks him about that and he has again, like the other interviewers, he has enough intellectual integrity and intellectual honesty to push Joel and say, well look, if you believe that Jesus is the only way to be saved, then all these other people must be wrong, right? you know and, and Osteen says, well I would you know I would agree with her but you know it's just not my business to say who will and who won't go to heaven. You know, again, he is ashamed of the gospel. He's he's trying to have his cake and eat it too. Yeah, I believe that Jesus is the only way to be heaven to go to heaven, but, but I'm not gonna say these Buddhist and Hindus are wrong. I'm not gonna say they're wrong, and I believe that Jesus is the only way, but I'm not gonna say they're wrong. And Larry King says, Wait a wait a minute, Hoss, paraphrasing Larry King Larry King here, wait a minute. You can't have it both ways. But Joel Osteen wants to have it both ways. His feet are planted firmly in midair. He is ashamed of the gospel. And again, friends, this is, I mean, it's not like Larry King asked him to parse a Greek verb here. I mean, th- these are these are very simple, basic Christianity 101, ball sitting on the tee kind of questions. I mean, is Jesus the only way to be said? It doesn't get more basic than that. But Joel Osteen
1: says, I don't know. I don't know. So you make no judgment on anyone. No, but I present atheists.
3: No, I just you know what I let I let somebody let, I'm let God be the judge of who goes to heaven and hell. And I just again I present the truth and I say it every week. You know I believe it's a relationship with Jesus. But you know what I'm not gonna go around telling everybody else if if they don't want to believe that that's gonna be their choice. God's gotta look at your own heart. God's gotta look at your heart, and only God knows that.
0: What a disaster. And it was a disaster for Joel Osteen in the evangelical world because that made a lot of news and uh, a lot of news. So he, uh, Joel Osteen and Lakewood Church went into full damage control mode. Now, to his credit, sort of, he came out with an apology. Now I say sort of because I know someone who used to be on the inside of this church and they told me that this uh, apology that he wrote was not even written by him. They actually went to, a, what do you call it, like a public relations uh, business firm or whatever that kind of helps people in the public spotlight to rehabilitate their image and that kind of thing. So they, they went to this uh, firm to help them craft some kind of a statement, and and this is it. But in fairness, they did post it on there church website, so I want to read it to you, and Joel Osteen came out and he said, and I quote, "...it was never my desire or intention to leave any doubt as to what I believe in whom I serve. I believe with all my heart that it is only through Christ that we have hope in eternal life. I regret and sincerely apologize that I was unclear on the very thing in which I have dedicated my life. I believe that Jesus Christ alone is the only way to salvation." However, it wasn't until I had the opportunity to review the transcript of the interview that I realized that I had not clearly stated that having a personal relationship with Jesus is the only way to heaven. It's about the individual's choice to follow him. God has given me a platform to present the gospel to a very diverse audience. In my desire not to alienate the people that Jesus came to save, I did not clearly communicate the convictions that I hold so precious. Well, um, you know, okay, uh, that's that's good, I suppose, in and of itself. Uh, he does apologize unequivocally that he was not as clear as he should have been, that he did not clearly communicate the convictions that he, quote, holds so precious. A, a couple of points, though, two big points. One is, again, friends, this is not high level discernment here this is this this is christianity 101 this is the gospel 101 i mean the ball sitting on the proverbial t it doesn't get more basic than this if you cannot go on national television and be clear about the exclusivity of christ then you have no business being a pastor at all, I mean, it it just doesn't get more basic than that. So um, that should have disqualified him from being in in the pastorate at all. That that debacle, that theological debacle and disaster, that was the Larry King interview. But people say, and even Al Mohler came out and wrote a, a piece on his blog about this, and he was uh, thanking Joel Osteen for his. Um, needed apology, and he praised it for being very clear. and And, um, and, he's, and he did say other concerns. Assuming, uh, I assume he's referring to his prosperity theology. He said other concerns we can save for a later date. But he was he was uh, quite um, he praised Joel Osteen quite a bit for making such a clear statement and of, uh, apology and affirming the exclusivity of Christ. Well. Remember, I said that this was not written by Joel Osteen, and it didn't last very long because Joel Osteen has been asked about the exclusivity of Christ since then, and he's not done any better. Um, I'm going to show you a couple of different clips. This one from that same interview with Oprah Winfrey. Listen carefully to what he says here. Okay, dear ones, another short clip of uh, Joel Osteen's interview with Oprah. This one was only 20 or 30 seconds or so. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm taking it out. And in this clip, you would have heard Oprah Winfrey ask Joel Osteen. She said, okay, so there's one God. You say there's one God, but there are there many ways to this one God? And Osteen says, well, you know, I believe that uh, Jesus is the only way to God, but there's many different ways to Jesus. And he said, I think Jesus could reveal himself to different people in different ways. That's what you would have heard had there not been a copyright claim. Here's a screenshot, but that's, um, that's, the, that's the clip. That's what you're missing. But again, feel free to go to YouTube, search Joel Osteen, Oprah Winfrey. You can see the whole thing yourself. That's uh, the source from which I got it. So anyway, there you go. So Oprah asked well, him, are there many different ways you know, to the one true God? And, and Osteen says, well, I believe there's only one way to God, and that's Jesus, but there's many different paths to Jesus what does that mean? Many different paths to Jesus? Well, there's but one gospel. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one gospel, and that is to repent of sin and place your trust in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Lay your works down. They will profit you nothing. They are filthy rags before a thrice holy God. Repent of sin. Place your trust in Christ. That's the only way. It, it, it's, it's, so on the one hand, he affirms that it's, yeah, There's Jesus is the only way to God, but there's many different paths to Jesus. No, <laughs> I mean, that is confusing at best. But what Joel Osteen really means when he says there's many different paths to Jesus is there's really many different Jesuses because he's already said that Hindus love God and he's seen their sincerity. So... Just as long as you affirm a Jesus, but not necessarily the Jesus. Now, I want to show you another clip because that—I that, mean, some some of you defenders of Osteen and some of my critics say, "Well, I mean, that's you know, he he did say Jesus is the only way." That was that was confusing what he said. That was confusing at best. But let me show you this clip, and this seals the deal. This is an interview he did with Glenn Beck on the Fox News program. This is after the disastrous interview with Larry King. Uh, this was after he made that apology, that statement that I read you. This was several years after that. And you'll be able to tell that because in the in the uh, interview, Glenn Beck references people who say, oh, well, Jesus has denied, or excuse me, Oh well, Joel Osteen's denied Jesus in the gospel. You'll hear that. So this is after that interview, several years after that. In fact, that interview with Larry King was 2005, I think. This with Glenn Beck was 2009. So four years. Count them four years after that. Watch. Joel Osteen is the senior
4: pastor at Lakewood Church, and he joins me now. Hello, Joel. How are you, sir? Hey, Glenn. Can that be
0: done? I mean, I
4: got a lot of mail having you on. People said to me, "Well, he's denied Jesus Christ in the gospel." And I'm thinking to myself, "I've talked to him. I know him. I mean, you're very
3: rooted in the gospel." Again, I don't know. I think some people are so. um, There's people that are just very passionate about what they believe, and they they won't uh, stay open to anything else. And you know, of course, I believe in in Christ as the Savior and all. But you know, I I think too, Glenn. I've spent a lot of time in India. Uh, You know, I've been with a lot of Hindu people. They're nice, kind. You know, people that love God as well?
0: Okay, dear friends, that's bad. That's bad. So here is Joel Osteen, four years, I believe, after the interview he did with Larry King, after that theological debacle that was the interview with Larry King. Four years later, he's being interviewed by Glenn Beck, and Glenn Beck, Glenn Beck begins by referencing that. And he says, You know, when I talked about having you on, people were contacting me saying, oh, he's denied Jesus in the gospel. And Glenn Beck says, well, I've talked with him. I know him. You're, you're very rooted in the gospel. So Joel Osteen knows exactly what Glenn Beck is referring to. This is four years later, after that interview, after the supposed apology and sincere, heartfelt apology and clear affirmation of the exclusivity of Jesus Christ that Al Mohler was praised so much. You know, uh, after that, four years after that, and this time, He doubles down on it. He doubles down on his denial of the exclusivity of Christ, and he's even more specific. It's even worse now with Glenn Beck than it was with Larry King because with Larry King, in that interview, Joel Osteen did not uh, specify the Hindus. He talked about India, going to India, and, I mean, 2 plus 2 is 4. India is predominantly Hindu, so we know of whom he was speaking, but he didn't actually name the Hindus. Here he did. He actually named the Hindus and he said they're nice, kind people who love God as well. Dear friends, Hindus do not love God. They don't love God. They have false gods, millions of them. They don't love God, the true one and only God that is is even worse that is a clear denial of the exclusivity of Jesus Christ no he didn't say well there's many different you know there's you can go to God through Jesus but you can go through God in other ways he didn't say that explicitly but that is in effect what he said by saying that Hindus love God and by extension if I mean if Hindus love God then Buddhists love God and Muslims love God and Mormons love, well, he's already, I mean, he's, I don't have the clip in front of me, but he's, he's explicitly affirmed that Mormons are Christians and they love, they love Jesus too. Denial of the exclusivity of Christ. Sugarcoat it all you want. You can't put lipstick on a pig. He denied the exclusivity of Jesus Christ when he affirmed again, four years later, that Hindus love God. It's a denial of Jesus. No way around it. Now, one final video clip. And this is from George Strombolopoulos. We'll finish with this video clip because it's it's rather revealing. And then I will have a final appeal to Joel Osteen and a presentation of the gospel.
3: Hey, George. It's <laughs> uh, well, nice see you. Thank you. Thank Thank you My pleasure.
4: Appreciate it. Thank you, kind pastor. Howard. <laughs> How is life? Hey, everything's great. Great to be with you. Are you the, uh, the, uh, the, un, the accidental pastor now? I am. Never dreamed I'd be doing this. No, oh, in fact, didn't you just kind of avoid it as well? I did for, um, well, my whole
3: life until <laughs> I was 36 years old. I worked 17 years. You know, my dad was a pastor there in Houston, but uh, I never wanted to be a preacher. I didn't think it was in me. I think that's the main reason I didn't want to do it because I'd see my dad get up there and speak in front of all these people and I, I think, I don't have anything to say and I don't want to get up there.
0: It's not in you, Joel, and you don't have anything to say. Outside of the Bible, you have nothing to say and you do not preach the Bible. You take a few verses here and there, lift them out of their context and you read a meaning into them. That is your own meaning, your own theology, your own preconceived notion of how life should be. It's it's motivational self-help talk, happy talk just sprinkled with a Bible verse here and there. That's not Christianity. That's not the gospel. You are leading millions of people to hell, Joel. Do you have any idea the peril that you are putting people in? Do you have any idea of the peril that your own soul is in. Joel, I've said this before to other false teachers, to Todd White, to Benny Hinn, to Kenneth Copeland, to Sid Roth. I've said this to them, and I'll say it to you. I do not hate you, Joel. I do not hate you at all. I do hate what you're doing because you're preaching a false Jesus and a false gospel. I hate what you're doing, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. And the truth is, is that you have no idea the condemnation you are heaping upon yourself by bringing this kind of reproach upon the name of Christ, by preaching a different Jesus, calling him the real Jesus. You have no idea the wrath you are storing up for yourself. James says in his letter, chapter 3, verse 1, Let not many of you desire to become teachers, my brethren, knowing that we will incur a stricter judgment. Preachers of the Bible are held to a stricter standard and a stricter judgment. To to preach the Bible ostensibly and to present some, quote-unquote, gospel to them, there, there is no greater task than to get up and to rightly divide the word of truth, to preach the word of God accurately. And it should terrify any pastor, any preacher, every time he gets up to the pulpit, knowing the weight of the task, knowing that he is representing to the people, he is presenting before the people, this thrice holy God of infinite value, infinite worth. But you're not preaching him. You're preaching a false God. You're preaching a false Jesus. And, Joel, what's so terrifying is that you know the truth. You know the truth. You know of the wrath of God. You know of hell. You know these things intellectually, and yet you just refuse to preach them. You are intentionally twisting the Word of God. You have no idea. The wrath you are storing up for yourself and I plead with you to repent. I plead with you to step out of ministry, get out of ministry. Joel, the true gospel is this. It's that contrary to what you have taught before, 99.9% of people are not good. 100% of people are bad and you're a bad person. I'm a bad person. Everyone is bad because we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned against God. We have transgressed His laws. And the wages of sin is death. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And Jesus lived a perfect life, the God-man, one person, two natures. He lived a perfect life to the perfect satisfaction of God. And Jesus willingly laid down His life on the cross. His life was not taken he gave it. And Jesus gave his life not so that we could have our best life now. Not so that we could have health and wealth, prosperity, healing. Not so that we could have better relationships and you know all of this stuff. That's not what the abundant life of John 10.10 10 refers to. Jesus laid down his life on the cross to bear the wrath of God. This perfect person offered his perfect life as a perfect sacrifice to perfectly satisfy the perfect wrath of God. Died on the cross three days later, bodily raised from the dead, proving himself to be who he said he was, God in human flesh. And the only way to be saved, you use these two words, but you don't teach them rightly. You don't teach them at all is to repent of sin turn from sin and place your faith in christ and real repentance bears real fruit repentance is not works it's not human works real repentance is a work of god god grants repentance and when god grants to you repentance your life will be changed your mind will be changed Your, your desires will be changed your affections will be changed You'll begin to love what God loves and hate what God hates. And Joel, if you truly repent, then you will come to the sobering realization that you're not qualified to be behind the pulpit, that you're not qualified to be a pastor. You will have this sobering and horrifying realization that you have been preaching a false Jesus for 20-some-odd years now. And you have led who knows how many people to hell. You have brought untold reproach on the name of Christ. If you're truly repentant, you'll realize that. And the fruit of that repentance will be that you'll shut your ministry down. You'll step out of the pulpit. And you'll leave Lakewood because that's not a real church. And you'll find some other church, a real church, a biblically qualified church, a doctrinally sound church that is led by biblically qualified men. And you won't be behind the pulpit. You'll be in front of the pulpit, sitting in the pew, learning. And you won't be a pastor again. That's what real repentance would look like. Same with Todd White, same with Benny Hinn, same with Kenneth Copeland. I want that for you. I don't want you to go to hell, but that's where you're headed. I want you to truly repent. Come to true faith in Christ. That's what I want. And, Dear friends, for everyone watching, um, Joel Osteen is not this third category. He's not just someone that I wouldn't recommend, but he's not necessarily a false teacher. He is a false teacher. Every bit as much as is Kenneth Copeland, as is Benny Hinn every bit as much different style different approach but every bit the wolf the hireling it's not a third category he's to be marked and avoided if he truly repents we're to welcome him with open arms and encourage him in his new walk with the real jesus that's what i want okay dear ones thank you very much for watching until our next time together May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or a comment for Justin, or interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.